The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Luke's awareness of context and history allow him to set the scene for us. The politics of the day have pushed Mary and Joseph onto the road and into a dilemma. How many others in history have had to give birth in the hardest of circumstances? And yet, out of our human mess comes a birth and good news of great joy. If the heavens know how to spontaneously celebrate, so should we. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered there with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom God favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, They made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. That is the word of the Lord. You guys are, whether you're, whether you're members here or not, welcome. It's great to have you here. But for the purposes of the assume, sermon, just assume that you're a member here. You guys, are, you guys are members of a great congregation, right? Yeah. That's pretty good. You guys are members of a great congregation, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you a little evidence as to why that is correct. So the Washington Post recently ran an article uh, that was entitled, Does Your Pastor Preach Too Long? Don't answer that question <laughs> quite yet. And uh, they based this on some research done by the Pew Charitable Trust, which does a lot of research on matters of religion and spirituality. And if you ever read their things, it's it's really interesting things. Anyhow, they looked at 6,000 church websites and analyzed 50,000 sermons that they found online at those churches. And they found that depending on the type of church, the length of the sermon varied a little bit. So, Pat, we're going to put the slide up. Now, this isn't how it lines up. This is like on a test where you have to do the matching, so you have to figure out which one goes with which. So your categories are uh, Catholic services, historically black Protestant services, Protestant evangelical or non-denominational services, and historically Protestant, so like us, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian ones. And the options for the average length of sermon in those services is 25, 13, and 54. 
So now match them up for me. Which, which of those four traditions has the shortest sermons typically? The 14 minute ones. Various answers. Correct answer is Catholic, comes in at 14 minutes. Who has the longest ones typically? Almost everybody said that. Historically, black churches have the longest at 54 minutes. Protestant evangelical, uh, non-denominational services, tend to be about 39 minutes. And historically, Protestants, so ELCA, Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, come in at about 25 minutes. Does your pastor preach too long? Don't answer that yet, people. <laughs> Don't want to hear the answer to that. So, uh, so that means that our services, we should be coming in at about 25 minutes. I went to our website. We've got kind of a wide range, but the range is roughly 13 to 18 minutes, but that includes two minutes of reading the gospel most of the time. So then that means on average our sermons are about 11 to 16. On average, I would say that's about the 14-minute category. Does your pastor preach too long, people? Still don't want you to answer that question. Not sure I want to know. Uh, so what was kind of interesting to me is I took this same little chart and, and went to a, a program that I was leading down at uh, Cross Lutheran in Milwaukee, one of our partners. And so I laid this out for them, and that's a predominantly an African-American congregation. So I popped this at them and had them answer it. And of course, they were like all over it. They immediately knew that the historically black services for sure were going to have the longest ones. And uh, a lot of them also came from Catholic backgrounds, so they knew the, the shorter ones there. So like you, they kind of uh, figured it out pretty quickly. Then we started talking about it, and I was kind of joking with them about how, you know, at, at our church I, I usually do about a 14-minute sermon, and when I preach at a regular service down at Cross, like I do everything I can to make it longer, and I can get those to double. I can get up to like 28 minutes, and then, then I just run out. We are all laughing about that. And then one guy, he, he was laughing when he said this, but he was also zinging me a little bit. He said, you know, Pastor, uh, we preach by revelation. You know, you just have to trust that the Spirit is going to reveal it to you, and you will never run out of material. And it's a little bit true, right? I mean, we're in our churches super structured, and we want to be done in an hour. And maybe we limit the spirit a little bit. But maybe, I'm not so sure that the spirit always gives you exactly 54 minutes of information uh, in their churches. Isn't it perhaps true wherever you go that the spirit really does reveal stuff to us? The spirit gives us material, but the material is, is not just for the preacher or even for you, the listener. It's, it's what becomes a part of us when we leave this place and does the Spirit keep revealing something to us as the weeks and days go by? The best and the biggest and the baddest Christmas present there ever is, is a Spirit that's touched you and opened your heart a little bit. It's a Spirit that's challenged you a little bit. It's also a Spirit who's made you a little bit better human being. How many of you have had a chance to see the musical Hamilton? Raise your hands if you've seen Hamilton. It's kind of pricey, so I can see a lot of people wouldn't see it. If you ever get a chance to see it, structurally, it's kind of interesting in that it reminded me of, of, of a much older musical, Jesus Christ Superstar, which I think a lot of you have at least heard of. The interesting thing about the structure of that musical is that there's Jesus, of course, but there's also Judas as the antagonist. And, and actually, Judas gets the, the main song in the entire musical, Jesus Christ Superstar, and, and often gets uh, uh, more presence in the production than Jesus himself. Hamilton's a little bit like that. Hamilton is one of the lead characters who's an antagonist 
it's, as heard historically, it's Aaron Burr. And Aaron Burr, I think, gets the biggest song in the musical, uh, which is entitled, The Room Where It Happens. And the whole idea of that song is that Burr has noticed that Hamilton, even though he's like kind of an import into the United States, Hamilton's in the room where all these big political decisions get made, and Burr isn't. And Burr resents that, and it, and it grates at him, and he wants to be in the room where it happens. Our first lesson tonight wasn't the Christmas story, you may have noticed. It was from the Gospel. It was from Matthew. And it was the section where Matthew is, is teaching his disciples, I think, maybe the hardest day-to-day thing that any of us have to do as human beings, which is when you have your feelings hurt or you hurt somebody else's, when you're in an argument with somebody, when you just can't stop being at each other's nerves and minds, our most basic human instinct in those situations is what? Just avoid it or deny it or be a little passive-aggressive about it. The hardest thing to do is just to face it, right? To actually go and talk to that other person. And even harder than that, if, if that still doesn't work, to, to call in somebody else and, and together to work on it and to work it out. And Jesus knows how hard that is, and, and so he even says, uh, if you do that, I'll give you anything you ask of me in that moment, because I know how hard it is. And then he ends by saying, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of it. We'll be reading Matthew's Gospel all this year as we read our Gospel lessons. The the very first thing said about Jesus is he's Emmanuel, God with us. The very last thing Jesus says is, I'm with you always. And then scattered throughout this Gospel, are these times where Jesus, in particular, promises to be with us. I think sometimes when that scripture verse is used, it's, it's used with like Bible studies in mind and, and support groups in mind where people are together and it's safe and it's good, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And it's not like that's not true of those situations. But kind of nice, almost idyllic situations isn't what Jesus had in mind when he first said it. What he had in mind were the toughest things we do, which is be with each other long enough to get past whatever it is that we can't work out and to come to something new and better that's actually life-giving. Jesus, it turns out, is in the room where that happens. And he blesses us with his presence when it's tough. You could see the room where it happens. If you went over to our other campus, we have our senior high youth room over there. I was in that room two weeks ago for the senior high uh, gift exchange. So the kids all come up with these gifts and they exchange them to each other and there's kind of this white elephanty feel to it. Uh, but there's some, you know, like there's some valuable things that are getting exchanged. So they're exchanging these gifts and our youth director, Matt Griepentrog, how many of you know Matt? How many of you know that Matt's kind of sneaky? Yeah, that's, turns out Matt is kind of sneaky because while everybody's talking in the room and, and Matt's just walking around and he drops these two old audio cassette tapes into two of the bags. 
And so one of those bags gets presented to one of the kids, and, and they pull out the gift. Oh, that's nice. And, and then they stumble on this cassette tape, and it's like, whoa, what's this? Where'd this come from? What, what am I going to do with this? And the kid who gave the bag was puzzled. It was like, well, I gave the gift, but like, I didn't put that in there. And, and then, of course, the solution was, anytime teenagers are faced with an archaic uh, technology, what's the solution? Oh, that's my dad's tape. <clears throat> Must have just fallen in there. So okay, everybody buys that as the solution. But then they find another cassette tape in another bag. And then the kid who had given the first bag, he figures it out. Matt, you put those tapes in the bag, didn't you? Matt denied it to begin with, but they were all over his case. They had figured it out. The room where it happens doesn't always have to be a serious place. It's where people hang out. It's where they're themselves. It's where you hide a couple of old cassette tapes in a bag. And it's fun just figuring out who gave it. It doesn't have to be a room, people. It can be shepherds watching over their flocks in a field by night. I mean, think about this. I don't, I could think of maybe twice this has happened to me. Uh, you'd think this would happen more in your life. But can you think of a time where you were absolutely exultant, spontaneous, and just let it out? And, and the people around you were with you in that moment. I mean, how often does that even happen? That's kind of a rare thing where you just kind of explode. But I mean, that's the, that's the shepherds in the field. You get an angel, and then an angel chorus, and you get them all singing. And you could maybe, like, I don't know what to do with this, but they, they just rush into Bethlehem, and then they tell everybody they can find. That's the energy of this night. The rumor it happens... I think like three weeks ago, the Today Show had a, had a feature on the NICU at, at St. Joseph's Hospital here in town. And, and the reason I noticed that is that uh, one of our members has worked there for a long time as, as one of the, as one of the, the nurses. And, and, and one of the things about her as a nurse is that uh, she's aware of, of how much of her work is not with the infants, as sick as they are. It's with the parents of these infants who are afraid and sad and, and angry and out of sorts and they don't know what's going to happen and they can barely hold their child. But people like this nurse and so many others care for those parents as well as for their children and therefore hope and healing become a part of what happens in that place. The room where it happens. One more place that you should see, the fireplace room over at our other, other campus. So the, the guy on, on the right is Pastor Rafael from our partner congregation in El Salvador and his fiance, Briseida. And uh, Rafael was visiting here and he also visited his other partner congregation, St. Peter's Sheboygan. And they know that Rafael is this really good musician and so they decided they would give him an accordion. Now, I'm not quite sure why they picked the accordion of all things. You know, he's just going to pick that up somehow and start playing it. But they give him an accordion, and we find out about this. And so then we call in like the, like the one accordion we knew uh, really well, which, which is Marv Wonder over at the other place. And like on two hours' notice, Marv shows up and gives Raphael this little accordion lesson. And the thing that was most amazing about it is uh, um, um, uh, Marv plays in like German restaurants around here. He knows like 30 or 40 German songs by heart. All of a sudden, he busts out like six Spanish songs by memory, just lays them on Raphael, and like Raphael's all over it. And I was just sitting there watching all of this, and 
It's the room where it happens. Goodness and no common language other than music. Merry Christmas, people. You're in the room where it happens. When you leave here, you'll be in the room where it happens. And sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it's kind of a lifetime gig that you've become a part of. But the room where it happens is musical, and it's honest, and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's a place of healing where there seems to be so much illness. Some place, it's just a moment where you don't have to be anything other than yourself. You belong to a great church, right, people? Yes. Because the sermons are so short, right? <laughs> Anybody time this one? Somebody should have been timing this one. What? No way, no way. I don't know how good this congregation is, but when I look out at you, honestly, I like you just the way you are, for who you are. Because I also know what's true of me will be true of you. Which is if you actually live in the room where it happens, whoever you are today, you will be better tomorrow. Done.